The Trumpet Daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the program. Back in 1970, Herbert W. Armstrong, he wrote about the explosion of knowledge that the world had seen in the 20th century. It makes you wonder what he would say uh, today if he was still alive. But he wrote about the knowledge explosion back in 1970, and he talked about how that every 10, 20 years, it seems that the, the amount of knowledge had doubled. And yet, right along with that explosion of knowledge, you have the accelerating evils and all the misery and the suffering that we see in our world today. And he talked about how that obviously the knowledge accumulation was not solving the problems of this world. He uh, compared it to, or, or he said it was like being stranded on a raft uh, in the ocean with uh, water everywhere, everywhere that you could see it, and yet not a drop of it good to drink. Look at all of the knowledge that's in this world today and the trouble together with it. I want to take you through some pretty basic scriptures today that talk about uh, education, accumulating knowledge, God's way. We'll start in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, and really this verse, verse 7, it's like the theme, really, of the entire book of Proverbs, a wonderful book of instruction. It says in verse 7, The fear of the eternal is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this is where uh, true education begins. It all starts with fearing God. It all starts with submitting to God the Father, our Creator. He's the Maker. He made us. He sent along with His creation an instruction manual. That is the Holy Bible. And we come underneath His authority and His rule and submit to His teachings because we fear Him. We love Him. Fear God. That's the beginning of knowledge. There's another proverb that says the fear of the eternal is the beginning of wisdom. That's in chapter 9. Now, I'll just show you one verse over in Romans 3. The Apostle Paul said about our, our time today, he said, there is no fear of God before their eyes. So what does that tell you about all of this knowledge, this knowledge that we see in the world today, and yet, as God says, there's no fear anywhere. If fear is the beginning, if that's the beginning of knowledge, acquiring knowledge God's way, and there's no fear, well, what does that tell you about this world we live in? And again, look around at the appalling evils. Look around at how much worthless knowledge there is. Knowledge that's not solving problems. It's actually making, so much of it's making our problems worse. Fear, that's the beginning. If you look at Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, Solomon said that fearing God was the conclusion of the whole matter. So really, it's like the beginning and the end. It's everything. Fearing God. Trusting God. Putting our heart, our faith, our trust in God. Look at Proverbs 3. And we'll start in verse 1. It says, My son, forget not my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. 
Don't forget the law of God. Keep the commandments. Verse 2 says, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to you. And then drop down to verse 5, Proverbs 3. In verse 5 it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Now it's just natural to lean to your own understanding, but trusting in self that pretty much removes God from the equation. It takes God out of the picture. And that's exactly what Satan wants. He wanted Adam and Eve from the very beginning. Just look, don't mind what God said. Just trust in yourself. Lean to your own understanding. Do it your way. Verse 6, it says, In all your ways acknowledge him or acknowledge God, and he shall direct your paths. In everything that you do, acknowledge the great Creator God. Look to God. Trust God. Fear God. Verse 7, it says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the eternal and depart from evil. Don't be lifted up in your own eyes. Don't, don't be exalted in your own eyes. Humbly come before the throne of God. Have a, have a, have a pretty good picture of your ability without God. We're nothing. We'll see that later in the book of Job. Without God and His Spirit, without God and, and the understanding that He gives to us, what, what is it that we really know anyway? There's a lot of people, I know, there's a lot of people in this world that think they know a lot. But look, look at where, look at where the experts are taking us. There's a lot of experts working in big corporations or government positions or wherever. And we, we put our faith and our trust in experts, but we certainly don't trust God. We push God right out of the picture. We're trusting in our own understanding. Our, we're, we're leaning to our own. This is another proverb, a memory verse, Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there's a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So there are people, if we can give them a little bit of credit, they're, they're, a lot of them are trying and they do want to solve problems, but we can't. We go along according to the way that seems right, and yet look at where it leads. It's because we don't understand about our hearts and the evil within. Another memory verse, Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Wow. Desperately wicked. You can look at Romans 8 and verse 7. It says much the same in the New Testament. That's, that's God's assessment of the human heart or, or mind apart from Him. Now, if you look at the modern educational system of today, the system of education in the West, uh, we're basically taught that human nature is, is good, pretty much. I mean, there's a little messiness here and there, but for the most part, human nature is good and can be trusted. That's not what, what the Bible says. We need to see the sickness, the evil in human nature, and then go to God, fear God, look to God, trust in God to get rid of it, to come out of this world, this, this, this world and its evil ways, as your Bible says, and to clean up those evil hearts. Hosea chapter 4, getting back to this point about knowledge, all of this knowledge, and yet look at the appalling evils to go with it. Hosea 4 and verse 1, it says here, Hear the word of the Eternal, you children of Israel, 
for the Eternal has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there's no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. There's no truth, there's no knowledge, and, and this is why God says He has a controversy with our nations. Because we don't have godly knowledge. We don't have, that, that should be the foundation on which we accumulate all knowledge. Instead, we get rid of that foundation and we build up this, this huge, massive edifice. What a, I mean, you look at the size, just to take one example, the size, the sheer size of government in the United Kingdom or in the United States, and yet the, there's no sure foundation under it. Verse 2, it says, just to talk about or to comment for a moment on the, the evil, verse 2, it says, By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. So there's no knowledge of God in the land. There's no truth. But we certainly have plenty of lying and killing and stealing. We have a lot of suffering. We have a lot of sexual impurity. We have a lot of sin. But we don't have much knowledge of God. And notice where that leads down in verse 6. It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. That you shall be no priest to me, seeing you have forgotten the law of God, I will also forget your children. God says, my people are destroyed. They're destroyed for lack of knowledge. We don't have godly knowledge. We don't have the right kind of knowledge. All of this knowledge, it's like being stranded on a raft in mid-ocean, as Mr. Armstrong said. You've got water everywhere, but not a drop, not a drop of it to drink. You can't drink it. We're surrounded by knowledge. You turn on the computer or you get on the internet, and there's just, it, there's no end to it. It's everywhere. But look at our problems as well. If you'd like to establish your accumulation of knowledge or your education, on a right foundation, we've got a couple of booklets here, The Proof of the Bible. This would be an excellent place to begin your study. And then we talk about true education, God's education, in this wonderful little booklet, Education with Vision, Education God's Way. These are offered at no cost to you, without follow-up even. We do need your address to send it to you. But then also, if you're not subscribing to the monthly news magazine and all of these news these breaking news stories, we, uh, we explain them from God's perspective. We shine the light of Bible prophecy on the events of today so that you can understand why this world is the way it is and so that you can understand what's coming, so you can know what Bible prophecy says about the years just ahead of us. This is The Trumpet Magazine. comes out every month and, of course, our website, thetrumpet.com. Uh, you can get to a lot of these articles and more uh, if you visit that website. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. Let's continue our study in the New Testament and see what, what knowledge accumulation does when you remove God from education. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 8. And verse 1, Paul says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know 
that we all have knowledge. We know we all have knowledge. He says knowledge puffs up, but charity or, or godly love, that's the meaning of that Greek word, it's God's love, the love God supplies through His Holy Spirit. God's love edifies. God's love builds up. It strengthens. It nourishes. But knowledge in and of itself, well, it just, it just puffs you up. In other words, you're, you're filled with, with vanity. That's knowledge's byproduct, vanity. If, if we don't fear God, if we don't submit to God as our educator, as our teacher, if you just get out there and accumulate knowledge, you're going to be filled with vanity in God's church. You can read about this in Ephesians 3, but God really, really does impress it upon the minds of His disciples that you've got to take what you receive and, and distribute it to others. Dispense with it, as it says in Ephesians 3.9. You've got to go out and spread the message. And that's what, of course, we're endeavoring to do with programs like this and our radio station and the, the website, as I mentioned, the literature. And, of course, we want to give it away freely as well because we want for you to have the truth of God. We want for you to experience what we've experienced in coming into God's church, to receive the truth of God. Look, even, even Bible knowledge, even studying the Bible can just fill us with vanity if we don't have the proper fear of God. Again, Proverbs 1 and verse 7. That's the beginning. That's where it starts. Verse 2 here and says, And if any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. It's just so easy, isn't it, to exalt human or intellectual uh, vanity, to be impressed by the experts. But God's looking at us and saying, Look, I, I want to see what you're doing. I want to see how you're living. I want to see if you're living according to the law of love. It says in 1 Corinthians 3 that the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Yes, uh, Herbert Armstrong often said that uh, the ones, who are, are, the ones that, are, that are the most difficult to reach are the ones who are the wise and the, the high and the mighty of the world. There's too much vanity there to get through to them. Verse 3 here it says, But if any man loves God, the same is known of him. See, this is what really impresses God. If we love our Creator, if we fear God, if we fear God and keep His commandments, that's the conclusion of the matter, as if Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13 says. That's the beginning of education. It's the beginning and the end of it. Well, there's not even really an end, is there? It's just going to keep going right on out into eternity, right on out into the universe. That's, a, that's another subject. We'll have to get into that at some other time. Let's look at Job, the book of Job, and chapter 38. It says here in Job 38 and verse 1, Then the eternal, so this story, he's got all these counselors, Job does, and he had all of these, these curses come upon him. God allowed it to try to teach Job a lesson because he was horribly self-righteous. And these counselors came and, and tried to tell him what the problem was and what the, what the root cause was. 
And God wasn't happy with the counselors and, and he wasn't happy with Job either because he was horribly self-righteous. And notice how God corrects this man. This is when God finally speaks. This is the part of the story when God weighs in. It says in verse 1, Then the Eternal answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? In other words, God came and said, Who does this guy think he is? Now, in the world that then was, he was a big deal. He was a, he was a brilliant architect. He had constructed all of these great pyramids. And you can read through the earlier chapters of Job and see what he was doing out in the community, what he was doing for the disadvantaged. He had all of these incredible engineering skills, these special talents and abilities and aptitudes. And yet God comes along and says, who, who does this guy think he is? Verse 2, again, in the Moffat translation, it says, Who darkens my design with a cloud of thoughtless words? To God, even the scholarly and wise words of, of Job, to God, this was thoughtless words. This was nothing. This was, well, it was no knowledge at all. The King James says, words without knowledge. Well, he had a lot to say. He had a lot to talk about. But God saw it as words without knowledge. That's, that was some strong correction for Job. And he goes on, God does, and explains a little bit about what went into creating the universe. You want to talk about architecture? You want to talk about construction? You want to talk about engineering? How do, how do you compare to God? See, it's humbling when we see God and His great glory when we see God and the creation, Romans 1.20 says the, the, just the physical creation around us, it, it reveals so much about God and it's humbling as we realize that we're just like a, a drop in the bucket. Nations are like a drop in the bucket to God. That's what the prophet Isaiah said. Verse 3, it says, Gird up now your loins like a man, Job, for I will demand of you and answer you me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. Okay, so Job built the great pyramids, but God built the universe. Now that's some perspective. That's perspective we need when we go into our education. When we bring God into our education, we see who and what God is. And that keeps us humble. It should. Verse 5, it says, who laid, the who laid the measures thereof, if you know? Or uh, who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. God says, I, you know, I don't care if you built 50 million of your pyramids. You haven't, you haven't done anything that compares to what I've done. Your righteousness, as Isaiah said, is as filthy rags. That's the thing, is Job took credit. He, he, thought it, he thought highly of himself. He had a lot of righteousness, but it was self-righteousness. Notice what Herbert Armstrong said about this 
book of the Bible, and Job in particular, it says, by the time God finished, Job's estimation of himself was, was exactly nil. All through his conversation with his three friends, Job stoutly maintained his own righteousness, his self-importance. His self even though Satan had taken away his wealth, his children, even though reduced to a pitiful sight, covered with nauseating boils, Job's own righteousness he stoutly maintained. But God finally got through to him. Here at the end of the, the book, notice chapter 42. This is where Job repents. And notice, again, what God has to say. Uh, well, we saw what God said about knowledge in uh, verse 2 of chapter 38. Here's what Job says, verse 1 of Job 42. It says, Then Job answered the Eternal and said, I know that you can do everything and that no thought can be withholden from you. See, now Job was beginning to understand that he had done a few things in his physical life, but God, God does everything. He can do everything. There's not anything God can't do. Verse 3, Job refers to the question God asked him in chapter 38. Who is he that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. He's telling God, I didn't even know what I was talking about. The Moffat translation, verse 3, it says, I thoughtlessly confused the issues. I spoke without intelligence of wonders far beyond my ken. I had no idea what I was talking about. Now, before, before this correction, Job, he certainly knew a lot. He even knew a lot about God's truth, God's teachings. But he didn't, he didn't really understand, not the way that he should have. He didn't fear God the way that he should have. And that's the beginning of true education. Fear God, is the, that's the beginning of knowledge. That's what we want to bring into our education, our study of God's Word. So verse 4, it continues, Here I beseech you, and I will speak. Again, this is Job talking. I will demand of you and declare you unto me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. See, I've heard about you, God. I've studied scriptures. I've read this. I've read that. He was a smart man, as I say. But he didn't really see God. He didn't see God. He didn't, he didn't know God. Not the way that he got to know him after this repentance. He says finally in verse 6, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. As Herbert Armstrong wrote back in that article I quoted from earlier, he said Job's trouble was not what he had done, but what he was, self-righteous. The self in Job had never died the self in Job, the Bible talks about killing that old self, crucifying that old man, Galatians 2.20 and Romans 6. The self in Job hadn't died. He loved self more than he loved God. But when you read verse, uh, verses 1 through 6 of chapter 42, you see now that he, as he said, now I see you, now I understand, now I know. You see, he brought fear back in, the proper fear of God, 
he brought that back into his education and it was like a light switch that went on and all of a sudden he you know he could exercise the senses as it said in uh, as it says in he Hebrews 5 he could discern between you know right and wrong good and evil he had the Bible he had God as his guide and that's what we need in our accumulation of knowledge today and especially so in the midst of this knowledge explosion that we've seen in the world today as I said earlier request our free booklets education with vision and then this one here by Herbert Armstrong the proof of the Bible this will really solidify that spiritual foundation and then you can grow from there make sure too that you subscribe to our monthly news magazine uh, the trumpet thank you for joining us on today's show and we'll see you next time <music>